The year was 430 AD. The city was surrounded by the vandals. I mean, how bad is it that you're, in future generations, your activity would be known as vandalism? But anyway, the vandals surrounded the city and they had the city under siege. And the bishop lay in his bed dying, contemplating all that had happened in his life. And it truly looked bleak. I mean, it looked like the destruction, not just of his city, but really all of Christendom, because all of Christendom was under siege. The bishop would die in late August of 430. And soon after, the vandals would indeed sack the city and burn it to the ground. And not only there, but all of Western Europe, the, the former Roman Empire would collapse by the end of the 6th century. And in the east, in Constantinople, the Eastern Empire would remain for a number of hundred years, but it too would collapse. And it would take, from that moment, from, from around 430, it would take nearly a, a thousand years for Europe, Europe to recover, for our civilization to recover, largely due to the workings of the Catholic Church, really the only institution that remained and kept civilization going, kind of on life support. But this bishop, you know, believed so much in, in God's city, and he had lived a pretty horrible life before he got ordained. The young Augustine um, pretty much did everything you can do. His famous saying, one of them, after he came to believe, Lord, make me pure, but not yet. <laughs> uh, he had, he had uh, been a part of cults, one particular cult, had fathered a child out of wedlock, had mistresses, had lived all kinds of life, you know, lives of a life that we can well imagine. And circuitously, through Manichaeanism and through finally Neoplatonism, I'm just dropping all kinds of isms, and through the, through the work of St. Ambrose of Milan, through his tutelage, and not a little bit due to the prayers of his mother, Monica, Augustine finally was baptized a Catholic. It took a long time. Look, it took a long time for him to find the truth and to find Jesus Christ. But when he found him, he became a giant, truly, of an influence, the greatest influence of the first millennia, millennium of our, of our church. You don't have an equal thinker to Augustine until you have Aquinas in the mid-1200s. His influence on the church is, I mean, it is immense, massive. The amount of writing, the amount of uh, debates that he settled, uh, 
deter, you know, trying to figure out how God's revelation makes sense, you know, which is one of the things we all struggle with. But in the end, it looked like everything was lost. His last breath, he wept bitterly for his sins and presumed that all was lost, at least physically. But Augustine never relented on believing in Jesus Christ, of course, and he knew something greater lie ahead. Why the transfiguration? The gospel we have. So Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a mountain. He's raised up, and they're given this vision of him being dazzling white. He appears with Moses and Elijah, and then the voice. And the voice is always the Father. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Why that event? We must answer the question. Because as much as we want to believe and say that it's going to get better, whatever it is, life, it doesn't always right away. Sometimes it gets worse. Sometimes it gets harder. Sometimes it gets darker. And this is what Jesus was preparing his apostles for. Because right after the mountain, they come off the mountain, they begin the journey to Jerusalem and to suffering and death, which is the whole reason Jesus became man. The, the principal purpose was so that he would die for our sins to redeem all of humanity. As Archbishop Fulton Sheen said, the only man ever to have been born solely that he would die. The reason he became man was to die. And he knew that his apostles would experience that. For them, it was going to get a lot worse. I mean, even for him, it was going to get a lot worse. And he wanted them to remember this vision. When it gets worse, remember this. Remember this experience you have of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Remember this experience. Remember Moses and Elijah representing the old law, conversing with me, showing that I am the one to fulfill the old law, that everything you're going to see, don't lose hope. Stay strong. Have fortitude. Have faith. Have confidence, because it's going to get dark. But it won't last but I'm not going to save you from the darkness completely, not in the moment. You're going to have to endure it. So too for our own lives. You, know, you can look back. I mean, a lot of people say, well, gosh, you know, the world is a mess. They've always been saying that. Plato lamented that about the youth of Athens way back before Christ. Right? We can always see what's negative, what's bad, what's wrong. And there are plenty of things. Arguably, it's been much, much worse. I think that argument can be easily made. That doesn't mean that what is not right or well in our culture, our society now, isn't real. It's real. It's really happening. And that's just in the culture. And then there are the individual lives that we all have. 
And we know that sometimes it gets really dark and really hard, and it doesn't make sense. And we want meaning and we want answers, and they don't come. They just don't readily come. And God doesn't fix it right away. He lets it play out. The reason he lets it play out, I circle back to this all the time, but the reason he lets it play out, it seems, is to bring something better. And if we have faith, if we have courage and virtue, we'll make it through and we will see that goodness and that glory. That's what he has in store for us. So when we think of the transfiguration, we think of, certainly for the apostles, he gave them this vision so that when they saw the crucifixion, when they saw his suffering and death, they would have a spark still, an ember, something that could be turned back into flame. But they would at least hold on to this spark or ember to keep them going. And their faith and their courage and their confidence would see them through. And the Lord knew, he knew he would rise again and they would be restored, but they needed something to keep them through and to guide them. And so too for ourselves. Sometimes that's all we've got is a spark, an ember. Sometimes it's a flame. Sometimes it's a bonfire, but usually it's not. And oftentimes we wonder, is this, Ember going to grow cold. Two ways it will not. Number one, we will maintain our faith, our confidence in Jesus Christ, that he is Lord, that he has a plan, he knows what he's doing, and he knows far better than we do. So we're going to trust him resolutely with unfailing confidence, even if it doesn't make any sense, not just with the world, but our own lives. And then the second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna grow our virtue as well. We're gonna grow our strength. We're gonna be more courageous. We're gonna be more confident that we, cooperating with God's grace, can get stronger as well. And that the darkness will not win out that the ember will be turned back into flame when it needs to, and that God will be victorious, not just in the world, but in our own lives. This is what we will do, because this is what we have always done as Catholics.